Welcome back to Unfiltered. I am your host, Dr. Samuel J. Unfortunately, Jay Schrader could not make it this week, but I did make my way up to Wheat Ridge to meet with Rick of Brewery Ricoli. Rick is a bit of a celebrity in the Colorado craft beer scene. Really interesting story, really great beer, really cool place. We got into how he got into it, which is what we tend to cover on the show. We talked about his love of blues, his experience as an army brat, his collaboration with some folks at Sam Adams and the Great American Dream Project. It was just cool. The guy's got a great story, and other than making fantastic beer, I think there's a lot to learn there and a lot to follow. So, hope you'll enjoy the show. You can rate us, follow us, anything you need. It's going to be available at unfilteredcraft.com, and we're on all the socials. With that said, enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Elon Naturals. Handcrafted in Boulder, Colorado, Elon's all-natural products are made with CBD extracted from Colorado-certified hemp. Ryan and Alec Nyberg, good friends of ours, founders and co-owners of Elon, as well as big supporters of craft beer, including being supporters of the Sip Beer Fest we did earlier this year, use no toxins, no chemicals, and only certified organic ingredients in everything that they make. Whether you're looking for bath bombs, foot soaks, lip balms, paint sticks, or tinctures, Elon has you covered. And they make pet products, too. Find Elon Naturals on Instagram and Facebook and place your order now at elonnaturals.com. When you do, plug in the promo code UNFILTERED20 at checkout for 20% off your order. Again, that's UNFILTERED20. Plug it in at checkout at elonnaturals.com for 20% off your order. This episode is also brought to you by Rooftech Precision Exteriors. Founded by a fourth-generation roofing expert and two veteran general contractors, Rooftech combines unmatched residential and commercial roofing knowledge with project management excellence, which means that your next roofing project will not only be handled by those that know what they're doing, but know how to complete your project without wasting your time. Find Rooftech on Instagram and Facebook and learn more at rooftechco.com. That's R-O-O-F-T-E-C-C-O.com. And when you schedule your roof replacement project, mention Unfiltered and receive a free upgrade to impact-resistant Class 4 shingles. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds like it's a hell of a deal. Again, that's rooftechco.com. I don't feel like I should introduce you. Good sir, can you introduce yourself? What is your name and where are we? All right, um, my name's Rick. A lot of people call me Riccoli, mm-hmm. old nickname. Okay. From, uh, Sean Penn's greatest brawl ever, Spicoli, uh-huh. Fast Times, Rismont High. Is that where it comes from? Yeah. I, I want, okay. <laughs> okay, wait, first off, where are we and what's the address? People want to know. Wheat Ridge. Okay. <laughs> Wheat Ridge, Colorado, we're at 44th and Wadsworth in Wheat Ridge. Uh, called Brewery Ricoli. Okay, we're here. This is a bit of a cult place to me. This is, uh, finally, I'm I'm really glad that I got here because you have not let me down so far. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Okay, so so there's no script to this. We just go. Mm -hmm. Ricoli. Ricoli. Tell the story. Please. Um, God, I used to be a computer tech. Okay. And uh, (laughs) got fed up with computers and dealing with computers and everything and found a hobby brewing beer uh-huh. and uh, changed my life once I brewed like a good beer and I thought oh man it's a beer you could like buy in a store or something that tastes pretty good okay then next thing I know I was uh, all over visiting breweries hanging out on brew days and stuff I used to uh, stock Bob Bale up at Toasted Pine okay um, eventually I uh, 
got a gig up at uh, uh, Golden City Brewery. Okay. And um, was worked for Charlie up there, and uh, so I wasn't making much money. So I needed a second job, <laughs> right? Um, and um, I got on part time over at the Chop House with Kevin Marley mm-hmm. over there, mm-hmm. and you know he's like the longest tenured brewer in Rock Bottom. And he gave me a chance, and uh, then he was like, "Dude, you know, you're head brewer over at Golden City. You should be, uh, you should be a, a, a brewer, head brewer for Rock Bottom. You know, there's benefits and everything." Yeah. So he pretty much helped me take make the transition okay. and get moved over to to Rock Bottom Westminster, where I went through training with Scotty, who owns Lowdown now. Yeah. And, um, and then eventually I got moved down to the Park Meadows Brewery. Okay. There for eight years or so. All right, let's let's walk everything back because I just wanted to know the nickname. Like, how much pot had you been smoking when somebody well, said well, Riccoli? Oh, yeah, Mr. Hand, you know, it's yeah, it's our time. You know, the, the original phrase was uh, guess guess what's in the bag, Riccoli. I used to work at the uh, Aurora Police Station as a as a computer operator ah, for the city. Okay. So all the city okay. computers and the mainframes are in the top floor of the police station out mm-hmm. there at Alameda and mm-hmm. Chambers. Mm-hmm. And um, so one day I'm riding up the elevator with the cop, and I was kind of a long hair, you know. I was of the <laughs> philosophy, uh, show up high the first day. Okay. The way when they go, that guy looks high. And he goes, oh, no, he always looks like that. So, um, so anyway. Oh, I've never uh, heard that. That's amazing, Rick. Okay, okay. Um, so anyway, he was, uh, you know, he figured I would be interested in what was in the bag. So he was like, guess what's in the bag, you know. And next thing I know, like all the cops, when they see me, hey, we're cool. I guess he thought it was funny. I was spreading it all over. And, what year uh, was this? Wait, wait what were you? Uh, gosh, 1989, I was going to say. somewhere around okay, there. Okay, okay. And, um. So it just kind of stuck. And then when I found homebrewing and started homebrewing uh, one Christmas, my wife gave me these uh, pint glasses that were custom printed. And they said, uh, Rick Oli's Tavern. Holy shit. So then it was like, okay, that was kind of set in stone. If I uh-huh. run a place, it's going to cook. Yeah. Rick Oli's. Yeah. You know. Okay. Are you from here? Are you from Colorado? Not originally. Where are no. you from originally? Um, originally born in uh, Army Brat. Okay. Uh, born in Germany. Uh, lived from everywhere but nowhere. Okay. You know. Grew up a lot in Italy and Belgium. Okay. Uh, was uh, uh, my dad was stationed around. Right. You know, uh, eventually we came to to Colorado here uh-huh. uh, twice. You know, we lived here once and then we moved to Italy and lived a few years in Italy, and then my parents separated, so we okay. ended up coming back here to Colorado with my mom. How old were you then? You um, ended up got eighth grade. Okay. Yeah, so pretty young still. So the um, formative years have been here. Yeah. In yeah. which part of town? Right. In, so in, Wheat Ridge? in Aurora. Uh, actually, ah. I graduated from Aurora Hinckley in 1980. Okay. okay. Yeah. And um, I joined the Army right away. Uh, I was a musician. Mm-hmm. So I auditioned and joined the Army band, spent three years uh, as a musician for the Army. Where were you stationed, uh, you personally? Fort Huachuca, Arizona, 36th Army band. Uh, Holy shit. Yeah. And how long were you in? Uh, three years, too long. <laughs> you know, they asked me, uh, you know, <laughs> What do you think of your time in the service? I said, well, it's an experience worth a million dollars. Not sure if I'd take a million dollars and do it again. <laughs> but uh, What made you join? Uh, because I was able to be a musician. Uh, okay. When I was in Italy and started playing music and stuff, uh, uh, we got to do this gig with the Navy band out there. And they were all just like, you know, hey, when you get out of high school, you go see your recruiter and stuff. And the Navy guy didn't want to fly me all the way to San Diego because I was kind of a long hair. And... 
you know, he's like, well, how many symphonies have you written? Like, well, you know, I'm playing in a blues band, you know, in clubs, and I'm 15, <laughs> you know, 18 now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, my so send this really bastard good. to Arizona. <laughs> so no, the army guy, he was like, well, I'll take you down to Fort Fort uh, Carson. Okay. Same school, uh, Little Creek uh, Navy School of Music. Okay. It? So they send uh, Marines, Army, and Navy there, uh-huh. and uh, and that was a great school. Yeah, okay. Yeah, real good, real good education there, and uh, so got out there, and then I got uh, sent to Fort Huachuca, Arizona. I spent three three years there. Okay. And uh, then got out of the army, and, and then came happened? back here. Uh, started to work as a what I do into warehouses and machine shops and then this guy's computer company was going out of business and everybody was jumping ship because it was like one of the old mainframe mm-hmm. shops and everybody mm-hmm. was going to smaller computers and they would hire anybody so I got a job as a computer operator okay and uh, when that job dried up internet that company actually died uh, the city of Aurora lo and behold had the same Honeywell computers and needed an operator and I had just left this Honeywell shop you know then just died so I managed to get on at the city and work there for got another 10 years or so so what were you doing okay so they, so they hire you on what were you doing are you just maintenance I mean I, I'm trying no, to envision uh, those old no, computers uh, so every day uh, in like the city you know they process um, uh, utility billing files mm-hmm. who paid who hasn't paid what you know numbers are what meters have been read and stuff yeah. there's a police dispatches and there's like seven computer systems that we had to monitor and operate the consoles make sure everything was running the discs had space we'd have to run reports at night that took overnight that long yeah so yeah we had a night shift and uh, we'd run uh, daily reports and uh, print out uh, mobile data terminal reports from all the police cars it's like all the stuff they type back and forth mm-hmm. and man that was crazy that was uh, you know it's better off sometimes not reading what goes on at night that doesn't make it to the news yeah. So, so we ended up, uh, you know, getting spooked out in Aurora a little bit, and, and decided to move west here, and, okay. and found a nice little place here in Arvada, and, and uh, it's cool. Yeah. Is your wife from here? Uh, not for she. She was also an Air Force brat, ah. so she moved around a lot, except more around the United States. Okay. Uh, she was uh, born in Roswell, New Mexico, okay. and lived in, in Dallas, Fort Worth, and in uh, Indiana, and stuff like that. So. I've never had a chance to ask this. Do, do military brats tend to come together? Uh, you know, I guess as your experience and your wife's experience and all those who have to go through that, so similar that oftentimes there's a there's a camaraderie that it's shared. It's got to be unique, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think you gravitate towards someone that can share your experience a okay. little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because you you know you move every three years, so you you either get good at making friends or not. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you guys are out here. You mm-hmm. decide to move. Out west a little bit to to Arvada Wheat Ridge, and then and then what? Are you still working at City com- of Aurora? Or what I are you was doing? Commuting by then. Uh, and what uh, year yeah, was, was that? I was working at Saver. I took a little while off. I took a uh, 95, 96. I took some time off at the city. I was working as a recording engineer. I got uh, bamboozled by this guy who said he was a producer from Austria. Now we went to Austria and we did all these great things and, and I ended up getting a gig as a head engineer at FTM Studios for okay. a little while, you know, okay. and uh, I love those guys over there. And, and um, but uh, yeah, so a year and a half, I just kind of rode this wild ride of uh, spending lots of hours in the recording studio and recording and traveling yeah. and promoting this uh, stuff we never released. Um, 
but anyway, so I came back from there and uh, managed to get hired back on the city for a short amount of time. Okay. Um, and then I um, got a job as a computer tech, uh, actually doing tech work. So when I was with a computer operator, it was basically you run a console, you type things in the console, but if the hardware breaks, do you call the repair guy? Okay. And I was always like, why do I got to call the repair guy? I can see what the problem is. You know, okay. it's this piece of tape over the sensor or something, and I can uh -huh. fix it and be on my way, or I can read the air lights in the back of the machine. Yeah. So I started reading the big PC, upgrading and repairing PCs book. Okay. You know, and read that from cover to cover and, and ended up getting a, uh, a job uh, as a computer tech for PCs. Okay. And, and um, God, after four years or so, I bought that company. So around... Uh, 98, 99. Uh, so you're talking like the height of Windows, right? Like we're kind of getting into MG that. MG 4.0 is just right. coming out. Yeah. Okay. And you know how to you know how to speak that language, and a lot of folks didn't. Oh yeah, I, was, I had an MCSE. I was A plus certified. I mean, I had all kinds of credentials. But when, uh, you know, so I owned this computer rental company. It was a, was the tech for them, and eventually bought the company and became okay. the owner. Well, I wasn't a businessman at that time because I didn't realize that, oh, buying the company and settling that payment for the buying of the company all of a sudden made the company not be profitable. And it was in that company in like two and a half years. And uh, so, you know, long story short, uh, people said, what are you going to do now? You know, you, well, I said, well, I think I'm going to brew beer because I had since then kind of found beer. And then when I was losing my ass in the computer company yeah you know i became disinterested and started brewing beer more what did you learn from fucking that up that made you think that you could do this um that i could do this um well i brewed some beer that was pretty good I thought, no no, yeah, no cool. not the brewing part but the business part i mean I like part? oh well you know here in this business now that i've uh, you know work then i i ended up working as a brewer for 10 years you know and then here come 2012 you know here i've been through a bunch of breweries been working as a brewer for a good solid 10 12 years right and uh so i knew i knew the craft i knew how to brew the beer um at rock bottom which i spent eight years at you pretty much ran a brewery inside the restaurant right and so a lot of the business stuff i learned uh, a lot of the hard business lessons i'd learned from the previous company i lost so we ended up opening this brewery on like half a shoestring Gosh, probably seventy thousand dollars tops. You know, That's used my two homebrew systems, two uh, six plastic tanks that I had, mm -hmm. and and everything that Dick Cantwell's book, How to Start a Brewery, right, says mm -hmm. not to do. We were doing. You know, we borrowed. Uh, so you know, uh, we borrowed a little bit of money from my dad. We borrowed some money from the Sam Adams people, and they sent us the Dick Cantwell book. And you know, six months in, afterward, and I'm reading it. Oh, he's like, it never. And it's like, oh God, we're always doing. Like always, oh no, we never do this, you know. And so uh, it's amazing that we made it, you know. But we had small batches of beer mm -hmm. and managed to go through them and keep everything fresh, even though our refrigeration wasn't great. And we've had great customers and, yeah. and uh, support here from from her. Well, you're not just. I mean, well now now we can jump into the Ricoli story. You're not just to me somebody who lives down south, the neighborhood brewery in a lot of ways that you know places are. You can buy your beer in a lot of places. So let's get into that. So what is the, uh, you know, let, let's ask the, the, the first question that Jay and I usually like to ask. What was the beer that changed everything for you? You know, you were obviously an army brat or, you know, a military brat. You were around. What made you think that all beer doesn't have to taste like a, a Bush Light or a Coors Light or a, a Bud Heavy? Oh, my God. Um, I think we fell in love with craft beer in Colorado here. Okay. Uh, both me and my wife together. Uh, we used to go up to Tommyknocker. Uh, the okay. Mount Ho Springs, they used to have this awesome little uh, 
area that's now filled with fermenters that had pool tables down there. And we'd go up there and drink Butthead Bach, and she would drink the Maple Nut Brown. And I think those were the first beers that I thought, uh, you know, hey, this is this is a good beverage. This isn't like Schlitz or yeah. something that like you would get on the Army bases. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so that, and then, so you do that, and then... Tell us the home brewing story. Go back to that. Well, I want to hear that. Well, yeah, and, you know, that was the attraction. You know, you see the big tanks there at, at Tommyknocker, and, and and then we'd buy these party pigs, these little mm-hmm. uh, brown things, and put them in your fridge, and you'd get tap craft beer at home. And, uh, yeah, and one day we were walking around, uh, I think it was Total Beverage, and we saw this thing, the brew sack. Okay. And uh, big, like, burlap plastic-looking sack, and... You put hot water in it to, to melt the gum at the bottom, uh-huh. right? It's supposed to be a stout, and then there's a packet of yeast and the thing. You throw it in the top, and we took it home. and thought, yeah, brewing beer. Well, you know, I'd had, I'd, I, and also, since being a musician, I'd actually had, uh, you know, the, the real spark for trying to, the brew sack was, uh, like, a week before we'd done a gig. Uh, I was playing at a blues band, and we did a gig at the the Walnut Brewery down at County Line Road, okay. which eventually became a rock bottom. Ah. The rock bottom I brewed at for eight years. On County Line. Where is it now? Uh, I-25 and County Line Road. Right that was the a corner there. No shit. Yeah, it used to. It got rebranded. Yeah, so but it was, it's it's uh, it's by Park Meadows, right? It's kind of yeah. back in that. Oh, I didn't realize it was it's something Park before Meadows. Rock. Yeah, before rock bottom. and I ended up brewing there like seven and a half years, eight years, uh, commuting from Arvada to oh there every day. Rick. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Um, but we played a gig, and they and uh, they had the stage was up on the. You'd have to walk through the grain room, and uh, almost onto the fermentation deck to get onto this little balcony. And we'd set up the blues band on this balcony. Okay. So um, during breaks, you know, I'd go into the grain room, and my wife was sitting in there, and she's like, "Hey, taste these little pieces of grain." And we're looking around and stuff, going, "Yeah, beer, brewing beer. Oh, that's pretty cool." You know, and we we were already enjoying the the butthead Baca, but Tommy Knocker and right. stuff, and and um, so um, we bought the brew sack, and then I started bragging to everybody right away. Oh man, you know, I'm gonna brew my own beer now. I don't need to go to the liquor store anymore. <laughs> and that thing came out so nasty. We tasted it and retched, and it was sour and bad. And, uh, and we tastes like the inside it. of a fake leg. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I told everybody, yeah, you know, it was great. We, uh, we, uh, we, we, we drank it all, you know. Where's that beer? We drank it all. Um, but anyway. What did you so, really do with it? You got to tell you know, me. we dumped it. Yeah, <laughs> we dumped it. We didn't drink it at all, man. And, and then uh, uh, we found, we were at the mall, and we found this thing called Mr. Beer. So ah, we got a Mr. Beer kit, okay. you know, and that was terrible too, but, you know, drinkable. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And I thought, you know, hey, I'm getting the hang of this. And uh, so for a while I started to brew it. Then we found the homebrew store and found that we could get better ingredients because I was getting stuff yeah. in like Vitamin Cottage and stuff. And that was nasty hops were nasty at Vitamin Cottage. So is Kevin still running that when you were go over there buying the stuff, you know? Uh, uh, you're talking the homebrew store over at Dry Dock, right? Or no? Oh, uh, yeah, back in the day, he was still running that. Um, Yeah, I went up to a place, this guy... uh, The one on Broadway, right? There's one on Broadway. I I usually was going to the one, uh, yeah, either one on Broadway, Beer at Home. That's what it was. And then they had a North store up on 120th. Ah. But, yeah, back in the day, I was mainly going to Beer at Home on Broadway, South Broadway. Okay, so that's where it was. So you... (laughs) What kind of conversations were you having with your significant other? 
like was it just this is we're gonna I'm gonna try this and we're gonna yeah, see what we the were, fuck happened. We're adventurous, yeah. We were trying to try okay. to make better beer each time and try different things. We'd go into the the store, at the homebrew store, and just start nibbling on pieces of grain. Oh, this tastes good. Oh, this tastes good. Hey, this smells good. Let's make a beer with this stuff. Okay. Okay. And it was that easy. It was just we didn't even think about styles or. Uh, what was proper or grain amounts that you're supposed to use or anything. It was just, um, hey, these these smell and taste good. Let's put a beer together with it. At what point, like how many brews in did you realize, okay, I can do this. I can do this consistently. What did, and I want to get back to the blues. I got oh, yeah, plenty yeah, of blues know, questions too. Yeah, once so. we found, um, we got a little better at it and then we started getting interested and then we ended up joining a homebrew club. Um, uh, we joined Hot Barley and the Ailers at uh-huh. Boulder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome club. A lot of great brewers up there, and uh, and that's where we kind of uh, started. Uh, that's where I started stocking Charlie, and uh, and you know I was in like yeah. Charlie, you know I am. Uh, I I'd managed to get this gig down in Pueblo, working at the Irish uh, Irish Brew Pub down there okay. on Third and Santa Fe, yeah. and uh, uh, <laughs> the old owner Ted, yeah, he he was like, oh, I don't know, just because you brew homebrew doesn't mean you work. You know, I tell you what, you got to go hang out with this guy. Um, God, what was his name? Uh, oh man! But we hung out with him all summer <laughs> over at the uh, fifty-two eighty Roadhouse that used to be uh, the Columbine Mills at uh, Littleton Boulevard and uh, oh shit, and Wadsworth down there. Yeah, the old yeah. Town, the mills, the yes. big tall building. Yes. And uh, he was getting old and uh, had diabetes and uh, really needed a brewing companion during the day to, to shovel grain and okay. big buckets and stuff like that. We were dying to learn a homebrew. I, I had just come this close and to winning uh, best of show at the Colorado State Fair of my homebrews. Right? Okay, okay. We went down there to judge, and we were all pumped up. So we we're like, "Oh, let's go have a beer." And we went to Santa Fe, uh, and and like, "Where's the beers?" And turns out a, another brewer who will remain nameless had just left there disgruntled and left the brewery a mess. So they didn't have a brewer. And so I'll be your brewer. So he's like, "Yeah, you hang out with the with the what is that guy?" But hang out with him down up at that brewery, help him brew. And if he thinks you can brew, he'll let me know, and then you can come down here and brew. So, so what year was this? Year, I mean, was this that going was 98. So, so I mean, meanwhile, I'm kind of losing my company, but I'm kind of getting really active and, and really aggressive about trying to figure out how to brew and how to work this big steel and everything like that, you know, because I brewed up with Bale up at uh, Bob Bale up at yeah. Twisted Pine and got a taste for, you know, like he had a mash down like, I've got yeah. there. Yeah. But I, I guess the reason why I ask, Rick, is because you have been so much a part of the Colorado craft beer community in ways that I think people who have moved here or understand Colorado craft beer after 2008, right, oh, don't yeah. really know. But, I mean, you are a staple and, and to and this community. Brewers, and a lot of brewers that, that uh, are working around the state here, um, you know, I help them get into brewing. Um, let them yeah. hang out. Uh, you know, Hutch over at Cannibal Creek, he used to hang out with me over at Gold City. Um, Adam, who's now at Prost, I think, mm-hmm. uh, at mm-hmm. Blazer, I helped him get, uh, help me at Rock Bottom, let him help me at Rock Bottom and stuff yeah. so that he learned how to, you know, a brewery protocol and manage to. A lot of these guys are bright kids. You know, they took the ball and managed to run with it and get better jobs and, and eventually become head brewers. You know, Hutch owns his own place now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God, there's a yeah, there's probably five more folks that I can't even remember. But, you know, it's just automatic that uh, that if somebody wants to come hang out, you know, I'll share my 
whatever I do. Yeah. You know, you can see what I do. I'll, I'll kind of drop nuggets of knowledge on the mm-hmm. ground. It's up to you to pick <clears> them up. Did you ever see this coming? Like, not, not, <laughs> I'm not talking about 2020. I mean, the, the boom that is craft beer in the country, not just Colorado. Did you expect this when yeah, you were? Yeah, that's why I hopped in when I did. In 2012, I saw it coming, and it just kept coming and kept coming. You know? What made you think it was going to happen? Um, people like craft beer. Um, it was something easy for me to jump into. Um, you know, after learning the, the ropes over at the rock bottom, you know, it kind of helped uh, help me figure out what, uh, yeah, how to, how to do it. It seems like something I could do and, and could maybe make a little money at it. You know, okay. being a brewer for somebody else, I was only going to make so much in a year. Yeah. Opening my own place, well, I'm making less, but I'm doing a lot more and we're moving beer around. I'm working and, a lot more. And, you know, yeah. I'm working a lot more. But, you know, no, a regional guy's going to come in and say, hey, your manager doesn't like you, so we we got to let you go. Are you surprised by what you've seen, or did you expect it? You know what you've seen over the last eight years, I guess. I expected it fully. Um, there's a lot of folks that are coming out there that don't have 12 years of experience opening their own place you yeah. know, professionally. They're just coming out of the basement, and they're learning that it's you know it's a little more difficult than you know. When I started homebrewing, you know, the first two years, I got really excited, and we started a hampering homebrew contest and stuff, and then I had one contest where every beer, well, except the Belgian, I actually won a medal for the Belgian, but all of them were infected. And the only, and it wasn't even a Belgian ale that I, that I brewed, it was just a beer that was infected, and it tasted kind of Belgian-y, the infection <laughs> tasted kind of Belgian-y, so I entered it as a Belgian, and ended okay. up winning a silver. And, uh, um, but, uh, that made me real. A lot of people, when they get to that point, you know, because you start brewing, you start brewing, it's fun. You're drinking while you're brewing, it's fun, yeah. you know. But then all of a sudden the germs find you and bam, all your beers suck. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of people start throwing in the towel there. I don't know what's wrong, blah, 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 you know. I kind of went through a real systematic, you know, tear down from my, 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 my system, my technique, what am I doing, my process, mm-hmm. and everything. And bam, started making better beer again. So, um, that's when I, you know, realized that, yeah, you know, I, I really want to do this. I like doing this. Why this business model? Why did you decide to do what you're doing? Because, again, if you have not been to this place, this is not Denver Beer Co. This is not Odell. This is a different, perfect location, if you ask me. I love it. It's busy. But why, but why this approach? It's all I could afford. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm a, I'm a brewer with skill, not with money. <laughs> you know, I, I, hey, anybody's out there want to hear you and come in to help me buy a brand new brewery and, and really make this thing take off, just talk to me. Um, but uh, but that was basically the thing. You know, I didn't have any money. I just had an intense passion to, to really do this business and, 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 and become a brewer. Okay. Yeah. What did you have to say to the spouse to make it happen? Was Nothing. She, she was with me all the way. Okay. Yeah, she's awesome. And what's she doing now? Is she helping? Is she, she she's in the office. Okay. Yeah, she works uh, the front house and does accounts payable, accounts receivable. Just like that. Scheduling and, you know, that kind of stuff. And just uh, pays, pays the bills and keeps the books balanced and everything. All the stuff that I can't really do very well. Why Wheat Ridge? Is all we could afford. Okay. You know, if we would, if we could open up a really nice place like Denver, you know, next to the Platte and stuff, yeah. and you know, we had we have beer to be able to compete with any of those guys. Yeah, you do. Uh, I, uh, I can second that. Yes. You know, we just don't have uh, the the pockets to to 
we didn't have we didn't have the pockets to open when we opened to be able to do you know what we wanted to do really. Yeah. I'll ask what's next in a bit, but let's go back to the blues. Uh-huh. Okay, so you're a blues guy. Yep. What's your relationship to the blues? Because I myself was a high school blues player and continue oh, nice. to play the blues, and, and, and I want to know what got you into it. Um, well played, uh, you know, sax, and uh, mm-hmm. um, I, I started on oboe in elementary school when we were in Italy, and eventually learned how to play flute and clarinet and, uh, and lots of different instruments over there, and then I uh, found the saxophone, thought it was really cool, mm-hmm. and started playing sax. Um, which kind? So, Just the alto, straight up alto. Well, I was playing alto at the time. Okay. Um, when I uh, got into uh, uh, into band, though, um, like in eighth grade, I was a clarinet player, and that's all I really did, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but then in ninth, tenth grade, all of a sudden, I joined stage band in the high school and got to play, you know, alto sax, and then I had a tenor for a while. Um, eventually, I really love playing baritone sax. Okay. Oh, yeah, me I, too, yeah. I don't own one, you know, yeah. but... Um, they're, they're too damn but, expensive. They're so but big. They're, yeah, but they're huge. And when I was in the service, I got to play a lot of berry, uh, you know, at the school of music and stuff. And, and, and I... Uh, yeah, it was a good experience. What was the what was the first blues song that really kind of opened your eyes to everything? Or, the you know, the album or, or artist? Because the blues are not jazz. It's a different animal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's different. Yeah, you know, uh, Albert Collins, yeah. you know, um, A.C. Reed, you know, used to play for Alec, Albert Collins yeah. and stuff. And, and, uh, and, and uh, Helen Wolf and, and Sun Seals, man, you know, uh, a lot of that Chicago blues and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just dug it. And, and I, I joined a band when I was in 10th grade. I joined this band. We, we were called the Droogs. Okay. You know, okay. And it was a punk rock band. And. And uh, then all of a sudden they got this gig at the pub. But, you know, I was only 16. I couldn't play at the pub. And so they kicked me out of the band because I was holding it back. <laughs> so um, I tried looking for another band. And I found this other guy, Stanley Milton, he, who plays uh, blues guitar around town. Okay. He's been playing for a lot of years. And, uh, him and Harvey Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of Harvey. He's, he I gets around it. town. But, uh, but we had this... Uh, blues band that we kind of put together and mm-hmm. my mom actually gave me notes so we could go play at the Alameda Tavern man. And, holy and, shit and, uh, I could play at a bar 21 bar without being 21 so uh, so I did that for the last two years of high school was playing you know gigs on Friday and Saturday night that's crazy school. I, I loved it I loved it I you know if I I loved the, the musician life I mean I was in a band. We were the house band down at the church uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, on Lincoln there for, God, eight years, eight and a half years. We were this band called the Freddie and the Soul Shakers. Okay, okay. And I was in that band for a long time. Uh, played with, uh, but uh, that was like a cover band. You know? Yeah. Uh, but I ended up playing uh, with Johnny Long for three years. Yeah. And, uh, and right now what we're doing is we've got a little stage set up and i got a little sound set up here. Okay. And uh, we've been working with... Uh, Oh, uh, a blues group called the Tough Enough. They represent Colorado down in uh, Nashville this year for the blues thing. Uh-huh. And then uh, also we've been working with the guy uh, Jack Hadley, okay. uh, another guitar player from around here in the Boulder area. Okay. Really good uh, blues player. Um, so we're we, you know so we'll do gigs. We actually do gigs and we record everything. I've actually got like music that we play during breaks that everything was recorded here. Okay. You know because that's just what I do. No, that's yeah, awesome. Like that. How much of a, how much is blues to your identity? Because I, that's why I wanted to keep picking on this because I don't 
people who listen well, to this podcast don't just care about beer. They want to know about the people yeah, who make you know, the beer. You, well, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, jazz, uh, jazz is kind of like expected when you play saxophone. Yeah, yeah. I don't say yeah. that, you know. Um, I'll get in a room with a bunch of other horn players that are jazz heads, mm-hmm. and they'll start bebopping on some freaking campfire tune or something. I don't know what the hell it yeah. is. Yeah, You know? <laughs> That's a really good point. But, you know... But then again, uh, you know, I, that doesn't, that's not the music that moves me, you know, more like a, 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 a little, you know, blues, something I can be more expressive in, you know, it doesn't matter about the progression. I mean, you know, I'm a formerly trained musician and, you know, I don't mind whatever key or yeah. whatever, whatever the chord progression is, but, you know, there's chord progressions I like and I like to play too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, so I really like blues, yeah, I, uh, all, all types of forms, you know. Tell me about the, uh, well, shit. <laughs> Let's, before I ask that, what what music are you listening to now? Are you on board with anything good uh, that's coming out now? You keep looking at my shirt. I used to love the Black Keys. I still do. Oh, yeah, I love yeah. them. Yeah, they're really good. They've kind of sold out a little bit. But I hate that word, too. I hate saying selling out, but they're a little bit more poppy well, now. Well, but. I've been working with uh, Jack Hadley a bit. and uh, Actually, he put out a new uh, CD just this okay. month, uh, okay. last month. Um, that's... Uh, Blues songs based on the poetry of Langston Hughes. Okay. It's like he must have seen this whole Black Lives Matter thing coming. Okay. It's like it's just so timely and uh, and everything. We actually uh, the the first track on the album we actually recorded here. It's real simple, just him acoustic on a tenor guitar and singing. But okay. But we recorded it here and it that's made it awesome. onto the CD. So you like that stuff? So so now yeah, that's pretty Delta sounding. You know, it's just uh, just people that play really well. You know, I've been playing a long time myself, so I know when people are. Uh, comfortable with their craft and can express themselves or when they're still struggling with the mechanics you know mm-hmm. so so you jump yeah. on and play with somebody when they come in here yeah, yeah. Occasionally. you do it you bet. Yeah. so you're, you're just sticking to woodwinds or do you either have other stuff now oh i mess around on bass guitar but i'm okay. terrible yeah <laughs> okay yeah. that's at least you're honest no, no flute and sax you know i can i can play a little bit yeah. <laughs> the flute and sax you and jethro tall just kind of <laughs> all right tell oh, me yeah. about the artwork because this this is awesome uh, who does it? Because it is awesome. Um, well, we have a, a little variety of, of artists, but uh, all this stuff that's on the wall here was all done by a guy named Dylan Roan. Okay. And uh, I met him. Uh, he was just sitting at the end of the bar having a beer. Okay. And I noticed that he just comes in and sketches people. Just okay. Just from across the bar, whatever, sketch people or whatever. And then he's like, hey, you know, I had some ideas for some of your beers. Uh, would you like to see them? And I was just blown away by, well, Shit. these are awesome pictures, and they're really yeah. cool, you know. So he managed to, to capture our essence a little bit. And, uh, so we bought that artwork for him, from him. and uh, It's just and, beautiful. And, yeah, and he's really cool. We can, you know, call him up, and, and he'll make stuff for us. we got a really cool Scotch Ale label, like all the different characters that are in the, the various art things. Yeah. We've got this kind of like Last Supper thing for our social lubricant Scotch Ale. Uh-huh. You know, so we kind of a big long table in front of the window of, of the brewery. Uh, it's in cartoon kind of form. Yeah. Know, but, but you can see, you know, the Elka from the Elka Brown and the, the Enormous Richard guy. And the, the, the <laughs> Who is Enormous guy. Richard, by the way? Uh, is that an actual guy that comes in here and drinks the beer? No, no. It was, just <clears> a, it was just a result of uh, dick jokes. Um, <laughs> you know, well, we hey, Bob. Will you take a picture of us while we're talking, and, and I'll take another beer if, if Rick's going to drink one. Sure, I'll have another beer. God dang. 
Um, what do you recommend? You're the guy who makes the beer. I'm a hoppy guy. The total is happy or the mango. It's got a little mango. It's a little less That's alcohol, but it's got some mango in it. Whatever you think. Yeah, totally It's not fine. a mango bomb, but it's pretty cool. I'll let you choose. Either awesome. that or the double Yeah, IPA. we'll smile. We'll smile. Yeah, I should wear my mask. Otherwise, my wife's going to be like, where the fuck's your mask? But, right. Thank you, good sir. Yeah, I'll do the mango. Uh, I'll try the mango. I'll do one, too. This person is very talented. Not Bob. I mean, I'm sure Bob's crazy talented, but this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, Dylan. Yeah, yeah, Holy and some, shit! And some of this stuff, you know, I um, like our totally IPA the eyeball on that. That was drawn by my, by my daughter when she was in uh, college up at CSU. Okay. And uh, and the, and then some of the newer cans, like the our double IPA can, we've got some cool artwork on that. That's uh, we've uh, my other daughter's boyfriend Chad, who works here, okay. as a bartender. Okay. Uh, he's really good at graphic arts, and he's put some of the the labels as a blade together. I dig for it. Us. Yeah. So you have two daughters? Uh, I've got four daughters. Oh, yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. I've got three. So. Oh man. <laughs> nice. So you got to tell me about the fourth. When that when that one happened, it was just you you get you kept trying for a son or no? You just <laughs> you wanted the fourth kid? No, no. Um, my wife had two. Okay. Um, and I had one from my previous marriage. Okay. And then we had one together. Okay. So it's just, uh, okay. Yeah. I appreciate that. I understand. Tell me and our listeners a little bit. I got to ask about the elephant in the room. Um, how have you been affected since middle of March? Uh, I, I'm assuming there's some sleepless nights that happen. Um, you know, for, for us and uh, being a brewery, it hasn't been as bad as it could have been for, and I know that it is for some folks. Why do you um, say that? Um, well, I've always heard that, you know, a part of the, also a part of the reason that going into a brewery, you know, heard that it's been kind of recession-proof. It's kind cheers. of, cheers, it's kind of disaster-proof. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people have to stay home. It's delicious. You weren't kidding. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah, with the, if you got to stay home quarantined with your family or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, in Colorado, you might need some weed. You might need a beer once in a while mm-hmm. just to mellow out, just to be able to handle everything, keep it all in perspective. Because if you just sit and worry, you know, it's crazy. Um, you know, we're, we're worried about, uh, you know, Chad and Caitlin uh, right now. They're, they're not feeling well. So we're like, okay, stay away, get tested. You know, yeah. So we got four more days before we're going to hear what the, the results are from them. But, okay. Um, so it's scary, you know. It, it, it doesn't affect you until it hits you. Yeah. Um, physically, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when it first happened in March, I mean, it seemed like everything had to close up and, and uh, we laid everybody off right away and we just pulled up the stakes and we canceled a bunch of services and really tried to just hunker down and make our cheapest footprint because, you know, and our rent's cheap here. You know, we, that's one of the benefits of being in such a crappy little strip mall in Wheat Ridge is, is it's busy the, as fuck though is that the, yeah we're on a busy street you know and, yeah. and um, so okay so hold on so let me okay. so that was our big worry was really about uh, uh, being able to pay the bills you know so how do we shrink down and, and so we can pay the bills but you weren't starting from scratch in terms of distribution I mean, well I don't, I don't want to say distribution but you you were on shelves already yeah, you know, and that was a blessing because we, we ended up realizing that, man, we had our, our eggs in the right baskets. So, okay. um, we don't do a lot of keg business, you know. I mean, if someone comes to us and says, hey, we want to put your beer on tap, we'll sell them kegs and we'll take care of them. But uh, 
it's not our best market for the beer. So yeah. we just kind of, well, you know, if you want it, we'll do it. But otherwise, we're not sending a guy that's going to put us on every tap. Yeah, you're not. Okay. You know, we're, we're just not that way. Um, um, we want to be accessible because we do the gluten remove thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we that, that was really what drove us to start canning and distributing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and turned out that business has picked up. So okay. where we used to be like 80, 20 taproom to, to wholesale, we're now about 50, 50 because okay. the taprooms come way down, but, you know, wholesale has gone up a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so so now we're yeah, kind of almost a microbrewery at this point. Were you, I guess, end of March, early April, was it, oh, shit, we got to can a lot more? Or was it that kind of pressure? We, yeah, absolutely. Okay. We took beers that we didn't have in cans before and all of a sudden released them in cans. Like okay. we, we're real lucky to have a, a printer that can print messages and stuff on the bottom of, the, of each can. Mm-hmm. So we just bought a bunch of silver cans, okay. printed the name of the beer and the canning date on the bottom, okay. and uh, and called it a 12-ounce to-go pour. Okay. <laughs> to, I like that. Right? And, yeah. and we were selling. We did our Scotch Ale. We did our double IPA. The double IPA ended up really blowing up for us. So we yeah. designed labels, had Chad design labels, and we got those printed. Now we've got them out in labels and are okay. taking it out to stores as well. Okay. Um, but, you know, just, uh, yeah, we just try to get more options available on cans that people can take home. Who's out there? Who, who's doing the deliveries? Uh, my assistant brewer. <laughs> on, okay. Uh, on Thursday, he's, he's delivery guy. But, I mean, I, I told you when you and I, when I first met and I came back here, I would have thought that this was a much larger operation. That's not, I'm not trying to be pejorative of like at all whatsoever. But you are oh, in awesome. so many places, yeah. at least down in DTC area where I'm from. Well, I mean, that's it's where the experience comes in. You know, even though I've only got a three-barrel brew house, you know, we're probably going to top over 400 barrels of this year. Okay. Um, you know, most people think, oh, God, I need a 10-barrel to do this, you know, yeah. to do 300 barrels a year. Yeah. And, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I know how to, you know, get a get two or three brews done in a day. Yeah. So I can make our system seem a lot larger production-wise. <laughs> What made you think that you could go from just selling beer over the counter to putting beer in cans? And, and when did that happen after you had opened? Well, we did some limited bottling and bombers and stuff. Okay. You know, and uh, um, I just kind of felt responsible because we're a little more accessible of a, of a beverage, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think it's, you know, people need that choice at the liquor store. Yeah. So we're, we're just in here. I think that's just part of what we're trying to do. We, mm-hmm. you know, we did a, uh, in 2013, after we opened, we won this thing called the Brewing and Business Experience Ship with uh, Sam Adams. Okay. And that's, they take us, uh, took us under their wing for about a year. Okay. We got a trip to Boston and to, to brew a collab beer with them and to meet all their staff. And, and, uh, and that was kind of, you know, talking to, to Jim Cook and, and yeah. kind of learning about his philosophy and how, how the, the natural evolution of a brewery should really kind of happen, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of what's also set us down this path, you know. Eventually, I want to be large enough for him to want to buy us. You know, he just bought Dogfish Head, you know, and, and um, yeah, we were, um, yeah, we've had a good relationship with them. That's, yeah. you're a, you're a smart dude. So what are you doing now in terms of employees and all of this? Because obviously we're in here, the chairs are turned up, the tables are turned up. Are you are you canning, you know, 30, 30 ounce pours and putting stuff out, or is it still just kind of those twelve ounce? We're still doing the twelve ounce cans, you know, four okay. packs and six packs, and getting those out to stores. Um, we're getting ready to put a more ornate fencing in our patio area to help block some more of that street noise. 
um, and so we can leave our tents up a little more. Um, but it's uncertain right now. Um, do you feel okay? We, did, we were able to apply for some PPP money. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the city's helped us with some funds here and there. And that's really kind of helped us through with payroll and rent for the last few months. But now all of a sudden that's dried yeah. up. Nobody can really figure out what they're going to do next. And they're not doing anything right now. Yeah. So we're kind of uncertain, you know, if, uh, so we're continuing just to, you know, spend money on ingredients, cans, things that'll make us money and, and just being super tight on everything else. What do you do for food? Do you have food trucks that you're got a regular food truck that comes in Friday and Saturday okay. and uh, that's that's it it's called salt and pepper food truck but he does yeah. burgers and brats and, okay. and usually something else but it's always really good and it's not expensive it's like you know some places will charge you 13 14 bucks for a burger by the yeah. time you order the burger this yeah. it's eight bucks this straight up eight yeah. Yeah. are you worried at all about the next I, you're not the first brewery owner who has said I really wish Congress could figure this out. I really wish, you know, even Ken Hire at Tivoli months ago said, you watch July 31st, that's when shit's going to hit the fan. And he was, I mean, he, in a lot of ways he was right because we haven't figured it out yet. Are right. you... And now we're looking at, yeah, four months, maybe six months more of this. So um, we're probably in a better position to be able to hunker down than most. Okay. Because um, we don't have a lot of overhead and, and, and you know, we don't have... Everything that we have here, we we bought and paid for. It's not yeah. you know, there's no payments going on. It's really just payroll and, and, and rent and ingredients yeah. um, for us. So um, we're probably better equipped to weather the storm longer than most. And and, and our customers, our awesome customers, have been so helpful in, in, in making us think that we can keep going. Last question before we we show we uh, we shut up shop and just share a beer together. How did Wheat Ridge accept you when you came here? Was it a holy shit? You know, you're the you're one of the first breweries. If not, you're the first brewery in Wheat Ridge. In Wheat Ridge. So was it a by surprise? Was it were you the odd duck, or they were really excited? They were really excited to get okay. a brewery. Somebody okay. that wanted to open up a brewery in Wheat Ridge because the boom was just starting to happen. They were feeling left out. Okay. And um, and we were easy, um, you know, because we started uh, setting up and and. And everything, and they called us what they like. Yeah, we just realized you're setting up a brewery. You know, we need to get uh, serial numbers and model numbers of all your refrigeration units and all this stuff, right? And I'm going, wait a minute. Yeah, why don't you just come down here and see what I'm doing, and you might understand better. And so, you know, because I had like a homebrew system, three kegs on a stand <laughs> with little propane burners. On yeah. It. And uh, I had this, you know. Uh, styrofoam shell that we had made out of PVC and big old panels of styrofoam with tanks yeah. in them and an air conditioner in there. Yeah. And they're like, oh, is this all it is? You know? So they're like, oh, you know, keep the door open when you've got the flame going and you'll be fine. And so, so it ended up being really easy to get through once they understood how small we were, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that we were kind of so meanwhile, we've kind of grown under their nose without them really knowing it. Yeah. You know, to to you know several hundred barrels a year. It's, a, it's in an off. In distribution. You're very efficient back there. Um, I'll try to take some pictures. I got I, have, I took some pictures from our tour earlier, but I mean, you do not waste an, an inch of space. 
Right. Kind of. I learned that from uh, looking up at the Mountain Sun uh, Brewery up in Boulder. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Pearl Street, really crowded too. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. You got a lot of a lot of brewery in a small space. Well, Rick, where do we find you on 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 Facebook and Instagram, and and what's the the website that folks should come to, and and tell us more about you know where we can find you. What, okay. What yeah, what what uh, uh, you know liquor stores? We're nestled in the. Sheepa Town. Uh, <laughs> Sheepa Town, the heart of Sheepa Town. Um, in Wheat Ridge, Colorado, 4335 Wadsworth at 44th and Wadsworth. So we're Brewery Riccoli. Okay. Board Brewery first, kind of like a European thing. Kind mm-hmm, of mm-hmm, yeah. throwback to. to You're good. You're good. In, yeah. In Europe. Uh, but Brewery Riccoli, and uh, yeah, we have, uh, we basically do great examples of classic styles and okay. we make them more accessible by just using that enzyme that takes the gluten away just like that yeah should i should should, should i ask uh, do you need to ask why the gluten-free thing or why the gluten reduced beer um because i can do it and still make great beer okay uh i had a friend that was gluten-free uh that wanted me to make him a gluten-free beer an awesome gluten-free beer because mm-hmm. he missed beer and you know you can use weird yeast you can use quinoa you can use millet Sorghum, uh, gosh, uh, the the syrup st- uh, stuff, uh, uh, agave nectar, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of, but it just doesn't hit you like beer. It's like mm-hmm. maybe a wine cooler or something, or some kind of Belgian-y kind of fizz thing. But so when I found out that I could do that and, and still test zero for mm-hmm. gluten um, and make a full-bodied IP, I mean, our static that we got the uh, GABF metal for in 2015 was in a regular category against regular beer. Awesome. Gluten free. That's can't, awesome. Judges can't tell. That's perfect. Good sir. Thank you so so much for letting me come in here and and, and share a beer with you. Um, and talk blues yeah. as well. That was yeah. good. Rick, thank you so much. Um, everybody, find Brewery Coley on on your shelves because I drink it quite often actually believe it or not i'm not just saying that i do because there's a i I was telling rick earlier there's a liquor store right on the corner that has it and i i drink whatever's on on um the shelf so good sir thank you um i appreciate your honesty and uh with that let's do a last cheers and we'll shut up shop all right thank you sir when they come to tea